afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. Jesus, the notorious just Please us with your lyrical thesis We just chillin', milk em, top billin' Silkin', pure linen, meekin', little seeds Malibu sea breeze, dawn peas, palm trees Cats named Pablo and milked out Diablo The williest, bitches be the silliest The more I smoke, the smaller the filly gets Room 112, where the players dwell And stash more cash than Burp Adele Inhale, make you feel good like Tony, Tony, Tony Pick up in your middle like Moni yeah. Don't know me, but she's setting up to blow me. Yeah. yeah. Try to style sliding off with a homie. Yeah. yeah. Escada don gotta play up. Space clergy. Game so tight, they call it version. Oh, I need to know where we stand. Do we share the special things for love? I know I do. What about you? I just can't Pronounce. I do it to you, cat, for a large amount. And when the beef come, you know where 
to be found. Why I be around till the winner is announced? Then you go, girl, with thousands in your palm. Why you can't let bygones be bygones? Where do I go? What must I do if I can't live without love? Thinking of you makes me feel, baby, like I'm the Welcome to episode 274 of the Hoops Podcast. It's September 9th, 2020, 2021. It's just truly the nefarious brother Adam, aka Joshi Lopez. No, <laughs> coming to you live from the Good Brother Studio in lovely Chicago, Illinois, on the north side. Uh, ready to rock and roll, ready to give you another slobber knocker edition of wrestling talk and real life talk here on the Who's Podcast as we do each and every single week. want to thank each and every single one of you who go out of the way to listen to the podcast every single week. You guys are awesome. Our recent subscribers, day one subscribers, uh, listeners, good brothers, good sisters, you know the drill. I appreciate the support each and every single week. We are 26 episodes away from reaching one, uh, not 100, 300 episodes of the Who's Podcast, which is awesome. Um, we've been going at this for five years now, and uh, the support and the uh, word this show has grown from the beginning to where it is right now is thanks to all of you. So, again, thank you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Hit me up on Instagram at Josh Lopez 94 at Josh Lopez Music. If you want to see me do some guitar covers, I have ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. That's where I do my transcript slash result pieces for all your favorite wrestling shows. Um, be on the lookout. I actually just dropped a reference sheet for the G1 Climax 31, which is starting a week from Saturday. So be on the lookout for that. I'm covering the G1 Climax Tournament for New Japan for the fifth time, uh, fifth consecutive year. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in the podcast this week. But beforehand, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTransitions.com. And finally, and most importantly, for those who watch or listen to the podcast each week, uh, it's very important that we get feedback from you guys. So whether it's constructive, uh, whether you like the show or you don't like the show, uh, it really means a lot to me and Brother Carter uh, to get your feedback on the show. So please do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on YouTube, youtube.com, backslash, or who's podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts from. And especially for those who use Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave us a four or five-star review and rating 
on that platform. It helps expand the research show, and we want to know what you like or dislike about the podcast and things maybe we can improve on. So your feedback is very important, and uh, it's not the show just about myself or Brett Carr. It's about you guys and this uh, little community we built. Um, I had a wonderful weekend. hope you guys enjoyed your Labor Day weekend. Uh, this past month and a half has been wild for me from a work standpoint. Uh, I thought it was very apropos this uh, uh, weekend was Labor Day. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's been wild, but the grind's been good, and uh, it's been good to your boy from a personal standpoint and financial standpoint. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's been it's been very rewarding, but hard work pays off, you know. And um, I had a great time. Uh, spent some time with my dad and uh, his side of the family um, this weekend at his house. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, still able to knock out these articles from the, the Wrestle Grand Slam shows, which were awesome for New Japan, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the All Out pay review on Sunday. Uh, you know, <laughs> life, life goes by fast when you're having fun, right? So uh, I just want to say, uh, uh, it was a really good weekend and uh, really excited because uh, as I record this on a Thursday, we are starting the best time of the year. For me personally, as much as I love WrestleMania season from a work standpoint and all that, just being a hardcore uh, wrestling guy, um, my favorite time of the year is right now because it's the start of the NFL season, baby. No! <laughs> We kick off tonight with the Dallas Cowgirls at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. Uh, a brand new season, 18 weeks of NFL football, and your boy is ready for it. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited for it. And bear down. Bear down, okay? Bear down. Don't forget that. Uh, <laughs> let's get this show on the road. Let's start it off. With the Good Brothers Q&A, as we always do, if you want to participate in the segment, all you have to do is ask your boy a question at Josh Lopez Media here on Facebook or send me an email at thehootspodcast at gmail.com. So we're going to start off with the Good Brother Chris Aletta at xteensaletta24x on Twitter. Um, he asked a, a, a bunch of great questions this week, and let's see what he got. He says, okay, here's some questions for the Q&A this week. How critical do you think this SmackDown is at Madison Square Garden? Critical as to what? I mean, critical to where WWE is at? I mean, I mean, if you want to call a spade a spade, SmackDown is the most watched wrestling show throughout the week out of every show that's produced. So, And I think SmackDown is the best show that's produced throughout the week out of any wrestling show that's out there. Um, I don't think it's critical. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a big show because it's at Madison Square Garden. But I don't think this show has any bearing on what goes on in the future of WWE, though. So I, I wouldn't look at it that way. This is a, it's a fun show to have at Madison Square Garden. Brock Lesnar's going to be there. It's going to be a big show. I'm going to get to that a little later on in the WWE segment. But uh, as far as it being critical or uh, a barometer of where things are with WWE, I just don't. Agree with that. Um, do you think NXT will continue with takeovers? Um, well, I don't have a key in as far as what all the changes are going to be with NXT. If there is changes that's going to come with NXT, 
I would certainly think so that they would like to continue on with takeovers. I think it's a good thing for the talent center to have a big platform to take their matches and stuff to the next level. Um, I I think it would. Um, next question: Will the index wedding be ruined? <laughs> I, I maybe it, it's a wrestling wedding. You know, wrestling weddings. Uh, if you ever see a wrestling wedding that doesn't go off without a hitch, uh, then uh, <laughs> best of luck to that couple. But um, I gotta say this though: um, the Bachelor and Bachelorette parties for um, Dexter Lumis and Indy Hartwell this week on NXT was freaking hilarious, especially the um, Dexter Lumis one ran by Cameron Browns and going to the moon. Uh, I, I I thought it was hilarious. If you guys have not seen the video of Dexter Lewis's bachelor party, just go out of your way to watch it. It was really, really good. I guess you could uh, take some time in this next question. Um, your take on Mick Foley's short state of WWE video. Well, um, I'll do respect to Mick Foley. He's entitled his opinion. I'm not going to come here and tell people that Mick Foley's an idiot or anything like that. I respect Mick Foley. In his point of view, he's a great person. He was a tremendous wrestler. Um, you know, maybe some people may say underrated or underappreciated for his value, but uh, Mick Foley's definitely a Hall of Famer for a reason, and I respect his opinions and stuff like that, but I feel like sometimes Mick Foley likes to latch on to things that get a buzz on social media, and a lot of this happens with a lot of wrestlers that are not like fully full-time performers on screen with wrestling promotions. So maybe you have somebody trying to promote something um, like they're doing a comedy tour or they're starting up a podcast or they're doing this and that and, you know, to get more buzz. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it's just the observation. When you're trying to build a different venture outside of what you do uh, in the wrestling business, from, from what I've seen, it's where people will need something to get more buzz for their comedy shows or, you know, or books coming out or, like I mentioned, a podcast. So they'll find a way to tap into topics that are very popular on Twitter and social media. And whether Mick Foley believes that he feels that WWE has a problem or uh, he feels that AEW is going to take them over and run them out of business, I I don't know. I'm not going to come here and speak for the guy, but... I think it also came off uh, – I think his time is very interesting because a couple of weeks ago, I think it was right before SummerSlam, he got a little bit on a soapbox over Roman Reigns' comments on CM Punk and whether or not CM Punk was a draw. And I think Mick Foley got butthurt on it. So, you know, all the buzz from Punk's debut at the Rampage show at the United Center to what happened at All Out, I just think it's convenient timing for Mick Foley to go out of, out of this way to say – Hey, WWE, we have a problem. It's not the first time he's done it. I've seen countless posts over the years about him on Facebook and stuff about talking about the state of WWE. Look, we're not this is a, the wrestling business is not a daycare center where we're supposed to take care of everybody's feelings and all this shit. It's about making money. And whether you like their product or not, they're still the most profitable wrestling organization in the entire world. Where any of you like it or not, it's the fact. They're the most profitable wrestling promotion in the world. They're the most talked about 
wrestling promotion in the world. You know why that is? Because you have people go out of their way to hate watch it. And nobody can tell me otherwise. Now, do I think everything that they do is great? No. But I, I'm somebody, if I can find holes in an argument where I feel somebody's just tapping into things just to get likes and retweets from people, and there's an argument that I think is so out of bounds with no context or substance attached to it, I'm somebody that's willing to call it out. I don't need to defend wrestling organizations, but I feel like context and, and substance goes out the window when it comes to wrestling talk, whether it's on social media, whether it's on a podcast like this, whether it's on video shows, whether it's on Sirius XM. I, I feel context and stuff goes out the window. Okay, Mick Foley feels that there's a problem. Cool. You don't like Karen Cross's presentation? That's going on from what you did in NXT. Cool, that's your opinion. But guess what? None of it is facts. It's just your opinion. The biggest issue right now in just wrestling in general is we're misconstruing an opinion for fact. Hell, for me, I do a segment each week where I talk about where I'm not like marking out for AEW this week. I'm not telling you that my perspective is right and your perspective is wrong on AEW. I'm not coming here and tell you that my shit don't stink and that I'm right and you're wrong. I, I've never carried myself that way. So, yeah. Okay. Mick Foley got upset about Roman Reigns saying that CM Punk was not a draw. And then conveniently two weeks later, he's like, oh, WWE, we got a problem. I mean, it's really corresponding with the hyperbole buzz and promotion that AEW gets after any big show they do. And I'll give, I'll give them credit in that. I mean, they got an audience. They'll go out of the way to let you know that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I can respect somebody's opinion and not agree with it. Uh, yeah, is there things that can be fixed when it comes to Monday Night Raw specifically? Sure. But you watch SmackDown, you watch NXT UK. Hell, you even watch NXT, and you tell me that WWE has an overall problem? I mean, that's up to your opinion. If that's what your stance is, and, you have, and you're like this wrestling fan who says that, oh, why, why can't we just like both companies? Yet you go out of your way to live tweet and trash every single thing that WWE does. Don't you notice that's kind of hypocritical? I don't know. That's just my opinion. All right. Next question. Do you think Shingo will still be championed by Wrestle Kingdom? Yes, I do believe that. I really do believe that. Uh, next question. Do you think WWE could have made just a good presentation of Anacle for Raw and SmackDown as AEW did it all out? Oh, man. I'm going to get heat for this. <laughs> uh, I thought the rollout of Adam Cole after that, I don't know, Malazze, Fair, Kenny Olivier, Christy Cage match was a flop. Um, <laughs> look, I, I'm a big Adam Cole mark. I love his work. I think he's a tremendous performer. He's an awesome person. I've got to meet him before. He's an awesome dude. Uh, I wish him nothing but success, but that rollout and him being part of the elite is complete and other trash. Uh, I thought it was predictable. 
Um, it, it didn't. I didn't mark out for the moment. I mean, yeah, of course their fans are going to mark out for they. They chant, they chant, "This is awesome!" For every match that was on the pay per view, so that AEW could do no wrong to that audience. But for me, watching at home, uh, the presentation at All Out was everything I expected it to be, and I don't think that's a good thing. Now, what I would have done is different from what they did, <laughs> and uh, I mean. I think it would just been a little bit different, just depending on whether Cole showed up on Raw or SmackDown. Um, I think for me, uh, if you want to talk about, you know, trying to make a name for yourself and stuff like that, is like you have Adam Cole um, attack Drew McIntyre, you know, uh, in a way where people are speculating that Drew McIntyre is going to be going to SmackDown whenever the next draft comes around, right? You have Adam Cole attack Drew McIntyre. They have a little, like a one-off match at a pay-per-view, and that way you can have on the notch for Adam Cole's belt that hey, he's the one that sent out Drew McIntyre off to SmackDown. You know, just something like that. Um, but for me, I did not like the reveal of Adam Cole at all. Out. I thought it was predictable and flat. Um, if when do you expect Adam Cole to turn on the elite? I mean, the sooner or later the elite disbands, the better it is for all of us wrestling fans, to be honest with you. Um, it's going to be a while, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, we'll be surprised that Cole will be part of Football Fuckery Part 3. Um, uh, Chris, I think it's going to be a while. It's probably going to be a year or two, probably, at this rate. I mean, um, I, I just don't see it happening. I know, here's the last question from uh, Chris. He says, I know contract talk isn't your thing, but if you're WWE, what are you doing to keep Kevin Owens? If you're Kevin Owens, what would what would some of the pros and cons be about staying or going? Well, was, the whole thing about pros and cons, I mean, that, that is what it is. I mean, he, Kevin Owens sort of said in the past that when he was younger, he was not a WCW guy. He was a WWE guy. Um I whether he whether he would go to AW or not, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to really trust with wrestlers these days. I mean, Chris Jericho said he would never work for another U.S. promotion outside of the WWE. Yeah, here he is, Mister. I'm bitter about the fact that I wrestled second at WrestleMania 33, and he's up AW's ass. You know, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, sure, the writing's on the wall. You got. Kevin Owens, another guy that can be part of the elite or the Mount Rushmore or all these other sub-crap groups of the elite or the Bull Club or whatever the hell you want to call it. But, um, I mean, for Kevin Owens, again, it's up for him. It's what he wants to do. If he wants to go to AW, cool. I mean, I'm not going to stop being his fan because he goes to AW. Same thing applies to Adam Cole, but I mean, at some point, man, um, if, I just think it's going to be telling that you need to run to AEW just to get a validation from the lowest common denominator of wrestling fans. Nobody wants to say it on podcasts like this, but I, I, I serve reality checks. I'm not here to kiss people's ass. I'm not here to fit in with the cool kids on oh, what's hot or not in pro wrestling. I really don't give a shit. I really don't. I'm not somebody here to fit in with wrestling Twitter. I don't care about that audience. I don't. Uh, they're fickle. They can't think for themselves. 
And yeah, Kevin Owens shows up to AEW and then what? I don't know, 10th, 12th on the hierarchy, 13. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could say Kevin Owens is not doing much right now, but <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I would hate to see him go. Uh, me personally, I would hate to see him go, but for me personally, him going to AW is not changing anything of his stock as much as it is for Adam Cole. Great, you're with you're with the Goof Squad. Awesome, you're you're with the most overrated group in professional wrestling, and I just, I mean, I'm, it's up to him. It's, it's up, it's up to him. He's he's a guy who makes decisions for himself and what's best for his family, and that's what's important at the end of the day. And for me, I for he's already been a Universal Champion. He's been an Intercontinental Champion. He's been a United States Champion. I don't know if he's been a tag team champion. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. But Kevin Owens has done a lot in WWE. And if he wants to leave and he wants to join his friends, all French wrestling, because that's what we're doing right now in 2021. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I think Chris is a question this week, though. I appreciate it. Uh, I got a question here from uh, Pat, our good friend Pat, Pat Fitz. Patrick Fritz, Mr. Rated PWF himself, uh, he says, do you think e, the E will put stipulations to the already announced matches at Extreme Rules? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I think it'll happen sooner or later. Pat, probably uh, a week or two out from the pay-per-view, whatever that is. Um, it's on the 26th this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's... Uh, September 26th in um, Columbus, Ohio, home of Great Waterfall. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, probably probably around that time period is when uh, they'll uh, probably a week or two out from that period they'll announce the stipulations for that. So uh, that's 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 my forecast. All right. <laughs> uh, here's the next batch of questions from San Piopo. At Second City, Sam, what's going on, brother? He says, at what point does AW stop signing talent and where does it end? Well, that's, he, your question is as good as mine because <laughs> uh, for a two-hour show and um, Mr. Boy Wonder, Mr. Meltzer Jr. thinks he can book everybody into angles and have 60 million factions. I, I don't know where it ends. Okay, Bray White shows up. Awesome. What's he going to do? Then you got Braun Strowman, and out comes Buddy Murphy, and out comes uh, Bo Dallas. I'm surprised he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's a business, so sure, they want to stop pop as much talent as humanly possible. But also, sometimes I think the more people he keeps bringing in from WWE becomes more of an indictment on his homegrown talent. Don't get me wrong. They got good. They do have good homegrown people like Hangman Page and Darby Allen and MGF and Britt Baker and Jungle Boy. But outside of that, everybody else is just there. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, boy, that's a good question. Create your dream feud. 
for Roman Reigns. So we're going to go, obviously, with the Tribal Chief here. But, man, I, for me, I had the scenario where, like, Roman Reigns goes into a lot of wrestling promotions and starts beating everybody. Uh, you, you, they bring out their toughest competitor towards him, and he lays him out. He's laying out Moose. He's laying out. Um, there's a bunch of people like Jay Lethal. This a lot. He's doing all these different pros. He's beating up Sammy Callahan. He's doing this. He's beating up Olivier. He's beating up uh, Lance Archer. Like Roman Reigns is uh, like on a stopple force where he's like visiting all these wrestling promotions, and then he goes to New Japan. And then he gets into a feud with Shingo. That'd be my dream feud for Roman Reigns is Shingo Takagi against Roman Reigns. I just think that'd be fire. But that's me. Um, the Bears open up as 7.5 underdogs to the Rams. Would you take Bears or Rams to cover? Um, i take the Bears to cover, but not by a lot. I, I think the Reds still probably will win the game, probably. But I, I would take the cover. I, um, I think the game's going to be closer than people think, but I, I, I'll i go... I'll take the Bears in the cover as an underdog. Um, that's a good question, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try my best to, like, analyze, like, uh, spreads and stuff like that. Uh, I never tried it before, but I'm going to give it a shot this season. Uh, predictions on what kind of season David Montgomery has. I, I think Montgomery will have a good year, Sam. I really do. I think uh, Montgomery was building a lot of momentum towards the end of last season heading into the playoffs, and I think he continues that momentum going into 2021. So I think uh, David will have a good year, and this is a very important year with this added game. I think you're going to get some more emphasis on running the football, which I really think all teams should. Because when you look at, you know, rare and tear where, you you know, throughout the season and, you you know, you get into situations during the game, you're throwing people open and they get clocked and somebody has a torn rotator cuff and somebody starts getting these soft tissue injuries. I think it would be good to, um, you know, not be conservative, but, you know, running, foot, running the football is also a good thing because it, it spreads things out for your team as well. And I think uh, if the Bears want to make a chance to make it rough for the playoffs this year, it, I think they definitely should rely more on running the football than Matt Nagy trying to recreate Alex Smith in Kansas City with Andy Dalton. Next question. What do you do if the Bears can't get Allen Robinson? Oh, can't get Alex Robinson extended? Um, I love A-Rob. He's been a fantastic player for the Bears, but if they can't get him extended, um, I would let him go. And I hate saying that because you have Justin Fields there, and nice to have somebody like A-Rob as his number one receiver for a long extended time. And I like Allen Robinson as a player and as a person, but um, you got to think about his experience and how he's getting older. Uh, I don't know. It, for me, I I would not be giving super max money to Al Robinson, where you could start putting more money back into other issues throughout the the entire team, and um, 
Yeah, I, they got themselves in the pickle when it comes to that situation. I mean, I, I love Abram. He's done a lot of great things for the team. But for me, I think Al Robson would be better off um, going off to another team in the offseason. <laughs> Once and for all, what week do we see Justin Fields take over at quarterback? I knew this one was coming. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say the Lions game. Uh just to play safe, I think the last game at week four would probably be the one. I think it would be pretty funny if Justin Fields made his debut in Vegas and just shredded up the Raiders. I think that would be awesome. But um, I think the last game at week four would probably be the one I would go with uh, for Justin Fields. But uh, it's going to be sooner than later. I, I say probably week four, the latest would probably be for Justin Fields. Ooh, this is an interesting one. If you could change – the outcome of three matches, what would they be? Oh, man. Uh, well, first off, uh, this is a recent one. I would have MGF beat Chris Jericho at All Out. Um, <laughs> I would have had uh, – let's see if anyone's from WWE come off the top of my head. Uh, that's That's a great question. Man, I, I would have had Braun Strowman beat Brock Lesnar. I forgot what pay-per-view it was they fought each other, but I would have had Braun Strowman beat Brock Lesnar. And then, um, man, that's that's what, probably the best question you've asked me. So far. I'm really stoked because there's so many matches that I come throughout the year. They all fluctuate through my brain threshold. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, is there a CM Punk match that I could pick? Oh, man. <laughs> How about this? I would have had CM Punk end the streak. Uh, I might get some flag for it, but I really don't care. I would have had CM Punk end the streak. I would have had uh, CM Punk end the streak, in my opinion, for me. I, I really would because I, I just think that would be awesome. Uh, we got some breaking news here. Roman Reigns will be putting his universal title on the line against Finn Balor at Extreme Rules. That is going to be awesome, pal. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so um, I would have had Undertaker. I, I would have had CM Punk beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. That would have been my pick. Uh, last question for the podcast this week. Um, we got from Sam here. He says, do you ultimately see Karrion Cross succeeding on the main roster? Yes, I do. I think certain talents overcome things that are throwing them at the beginning. Stone Cold Steve Austin started off as the ringmaster. Um, <laughs> I there's other examples, Rocky, Maivia, et cetera, et cetera. Karrion Cross is a, a talent that is to be reckoned with. He's very good. He's awesome on the mic. He's good in the ring. He will be a force. I do believe that, and I don't see otherwise. I, I don't. Um, but anyways, I want to thank 
uh, Chris, Pat, and Sanford sending awesome questions this week in the podcast. I appreciate you guys. As always, if you want to participate in the Good Bros Q&A session, all you have to do is send me a question either at Josh Lopez Media here on Facebook or uh, email me at thehootspodcast at gmail.com. So I want to thank you guys uh, so much for sending questions this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the Q&A. Sit back, strap down. We'll be right back here in the Hoots Podcast recapping what happened this week in WWE. Yes. All right, folks, welcome back to This Week in WWE. Hope you guys are having a good week right here on the Hoots Podcast with your boys, Joshie. Uh, you're going to hear from Bernard Carter just a little bit as we head towards our main event segment. But beforehand, let's go over what happened this week in WWE programming. We're actually going to switch it up this week. I'm going to start off with Monday Night Raw this past week in Miami because I thought Raw this week was really good uh, from top to bottom. Um, there's a lot of really good wrestling matches on the show. The show is centered around tag team turmoil. Uh, and what's kind of cool about this is instead of, you know, sometimes with like gauntlet matches, it's uh, tag turmoil matches on WWE. Some of those go so long it could take almost an hour to do. Uh, they split it up throughout the show. They, so they did the first part of it. It was like 40 minutes, and then they spent another like 25 or so towards the main event. So I like that. It was kind of like a thread on the show. Uh, all to set up uh, two big matches, not only for Extreme Rules, where uh, Bobby Lashley would be putting his WWE Championship on the line against Randy Orton, but also this Monday on Raw, uh, Lashley and MVP will be taking on RK Bro for the Raw Tag Team titles on Raw this Monday. So, yeah, I thought that was um, that was a really cool uh, part of what happened on the show uh, this past Monday. But also, I thought the crowd was good. Um, loved the match with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I thought that was really good. It'll be Sheamus taking on Damian Priest for the United States Championship at... Extreme Rules, so we get a rematch in SummerSlam. All fine and dandy. A hardcore match between those two guys shall be a dandy, if you will. <laughs> uh, what else on the show? Um, again, I, like I said, I like the opening promos well with RK Bro and Bobby Lashley. I thought that was good. Um, you know, had good performances from the New Day. I thought... Um, the Viking Raiders look good, even though they're the first team eliminated. Um, uh, also, a little Mason T-Bar got some shine during the match as well, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, I liked aspects of the voice TV stuff with uh, Karen Cross and John Morrison, and always cool to see Cross getting victories and stuff, but it was really cool for us to get to see Cross the suit again and hand-cutting promos. We need to see more of that. And uh, just having rematches and small stuff here and there, it's not satiating and bringing your characters to another level. You got to have these uh, little in-depth segments where you get to know a little bit more about the characters. Like, if anything, you should have a Jimmy Smith or a Byron Saxon have a sit-down interview with Killer Cross and get his intentions of what he wants to do. Like you see these post um, in, post show interviews he does on Raw Talk or on the WWE YouTube channel, and it's like those are the stuff that you should be airing on TV. So I thought that was cool. Uh, Charlotte and I, Jax had a rematch for Raw Championship. Kind of went the way I went. I, I thought I was going to go. Charlotte retain. 
sooner or later we're going to have the Sheamus Baszler and Nia Jax match, and then we'll see where those two go from there. But uh, after the match, it was kind of interesting. We had Alexa Bliss come out, and this is kind of the example of where Twitter is not the end-all, be-all of what's over or what isn't over in WWE, per se. Because as much as Twitter... And Brianna Alvarez like to go on soapbox every single week about Alexa Bliss and her character and how it's not. I can't take it seriously, even though I can take Marco Sutton getting the brawl with Brian Cutler, but I'll get to that later on. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm watching uh, the reaction, right? Alexa Bliss and Charlotte Flair, they had a really good match at uh, Survivor Series a few years ago. I think it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and now they're having a chance where uh, Alexa Bliss will be fighting Charlotte in her hometown. Uh, and he heard a crowd in Miami. They were into it. And I thought that was very interesting. Also, another interesting, interesting part of the show was towards the end of the main event where almost got in a ring with Lashley and the crowd were getting on their feet for that. So, um, kind of going back to that whole thing about Mick Foley and people say WWE doesn't do anything to... Uh, elicit reactions from the crowds. Uh, I heard uh, that random dude Dipper scene on GP, and boy, does he sound like a fucking mark <laughs> paid by AW? Like, good god! Like, you would think that you put on WWE, and look, I'm 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 with you guys. They don't do everything great. There's things that they could fix and work on, but like, you listen to some of these podcasts, and you think this is the worst thing. Ever in the history of professional wrestling, and I'm like, um, all right, I mean, whatever floats your boat, whatever if that's the stance you want to take, I mean, go ahead. Um, uh, I just disagree. So, I thought Raw, from a general standpoint on the show this week, I thought was uh, pretty, pretty good. And then let's talk a little bit about SmackDown as well because they got a big show tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden on Fox. Uh, not only Paying homage for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. But we got Brock Lesnar in the house. Making his first appearance since SummerSlam. And we got him and the trial chief. Going to probably go face-to-face. That's going to be an interesting segment. <laughs> um, speaking of Roman Reigns. Him and Finn Balor had a really, really good match on SmackDown last week. Which kind of led to where we are going with the Extreme Rules. It will be Roman Reigns against Finn Balor for the Universal Championship in the main event of Extreme Rules, and I'm perfectly fine with that. The fact that Finn gets the main event, a pay-per-view, well-deserved. No issues on my end on, for that. I, I got to tell you, man, looking at the Extreme Rules match card right now, it's not too shabby, <laughs> to say the least. I'm going to pull this up here on my website, uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Um, so always make sure to go to there when you need to... Uh, Get like a point of reference of what's going on with the show, just in case you miss it. And this is the place uh, to get that info. So, um, yeah, that was my first takeaway from uh, SmackDown last week. And then also, uh, Bianca, uh, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, uh, I thought had a good talk. He said they're going to have their contract signing tomorrow night, so that should be interesting as well. But look at this card right now that you have for Extreme Rules. You have Becky Lynch against Bianca Belair. You have Bobby Lashley against Randy Orton. You got Damian Priest against Sheamus. You got Charlotte against Alexa Bliss. And you got Roman Reigns against Finn Balor. That's pretty good. And that's just the beginning of the card here for Extreme Rules. I got to tell you, man. 
Uh, Extreme Rules has been kind of a hit and miss show over the last couple years uh, uh, from a match quality and overall show quality, but this lineup is really, really good. Uh, coming up on September 26th in Columbus, Ohio, so that's going to be an awesome show. Um, let's see what else. I, I love the... <laughs> The backstage show with uh, Kayla Braxton and Paul Heyman, and you got Brock Lesnar's theme song playing off the, uh, Paul Heyman's uh, cell phone. I thought that was funny. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Usos and Street Profits looks like they're gonna probably be another match added to Extreme Rules. There's another one right there. That's six. Um, yeah. Let's see what else. Uh, sit out. Um, Seth Rollins and Edge are. Still continuing on with the rivalry. If they if they add Edge and Seth Ross's card for Extreme Rules, Mama Mia, that's gonna be interesting. But they are doing Edge and Seth Ross too um, at Madison Square Garden, and I guess you could have a, a hardcore simulation payoff for Part Three. So I could I could see a way where Seth Ross beats Edge tomorrow. I could see that, and he make it go to a conclusion at Extreme Rules. I would not have a problem with that. I don't know about you guys. I wouldn't have a problem with that if they go three. Um, maybe too soon for some people. But, hey, having Seth Rollins and Edge at Madison Square Garden is going to be a big deal. And I think that's going to be a, a fun match to check out. You know, Seth Rollins is unhinged and doing this, like, Joaquin Phoenix Joker impression right now. So, I would think that Seth Rollins would have a good chance to really... Um, Get some more heat towards him and what he's doing right now. Uh, don't be surprised if Seth Rollins beats Edge. I smack that tomorrow. I will say that. But, um, yeah, we had um, they get, a couple of other things, thoughts I wanted to get out of the way as we're talking about WWE. Uh, I think they have to get the women's tag team titles off of Tamina and Natalya. Uh, I think it's ran its course. I've been saying to just disband the women's tag team division in general because it's affecting the title pitches for the Raw SmackDown Women's titles where you're running out of people, running out of opponents for these uh, champions, you know, when they're all stuck in the tag divisions as well. So um, I would say end that. I also say um, that we have to get something started with Nakamura, the IC champion. Uh, don't get me wrong, the stuff of books over the last couple weeks have been pretty cool, but we have to see who's going to be the next guy for Nakamura. And if it's just going to be a Paul Cruz, that's going to be a match that's going to be on the kickoff show. So we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, let's see what's next for Kevin Owens, what's next for Big E. Um, and be curious to see what Drew McIntyre is going to do since he's not going to be fighting uh, for the United States Championship at Extreme Rules. Unless it's a last-minute addition and that's a triple threat match. We'll have to see there. But um, I'm very curious, man. It's going to be interesting. Uh, so that's my thoughts really quick there for what's going on this week in WWE. I got a couple other things I want to share before we get to our next segment. Um, we're celebrating 20 years of 9-11. And... I was seven years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, going into my first day of first grade in elementary school. And that experience uh, is something I still think about. Because it's still one of the craziest days that i ever been through in my entire life. Uh, most people my age can say that. Um, 
older people. Um, if if you're during that time period, you knew how that day was, and it's obviously the worst day to happen to this country um, for a long, long time, and it's a day that will never be forgotten. Nine um, Eleven holds a special place in my heart because um, uh, it's 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 a it's a historical topic, obviously, but it's also a topic that I did a lot of research and study on when I was in school. Uh, if people ask, like, hey, what history topic you'd like to do for history class, right? I would always say 9-11. It was my go-to for every single one because I wanted to get as much info that I could, could about 9-11 from the hijacking to the, the attentions of Al-Qaeda, to that day in general, to how the buildings fell down and collapsed. Um, I, I had, I, I was just very intrigued and to get to the behind the scenes aspect of what happened in nine eleven, just to have a better context and understanding of what that day was. And um, the thing about it, I was seven years old, and I really think a lot of the good aspects of what was going on in society during that time period went away after that 9-11. And it was. It was a... It was a day that changed the world forever. It really was. Um, I don't remember being as uptight and paranoid as we are right now in today's society. I don't remember people being as glass half empty as uh uh, people were during the late 90s and early 2000s when I was a younger kid. Um, it was it, it, even for me being a young kid, I, I felt it was like very simple and laid back and chill vibes back then. Now it's so like driven on your head. You feel sometimes you're walking around and living, you feel like you have somebody over your shoulder. And um, man. When I think about that day, it's just, I, I really feel bad for everybody that's gone through that experience. Obviously, it's public it's public knowledge in the wrestling circles that Selena Vega lost her father um, in 9-11. And it's just a horrible, horrible situation, man. And my thoughts are with her. I hope she gets a chance to be on the show tomorrow, which I think she would. Uh, I think it'd be pretty cool. But um, I, I watch... Watched that day. I've watched documentaries. I've watched movies, adaptations on it. It's it's something that I'll never forget. And you know, it's a national tragedy. Uh, it's something that I wish I never had to go through again, or anybody has to go through again. Um, it, it was a sight to behold. Um, and you know, when WWE had their first show again in Houston. Uh, after 9-11, uh, that was probably one of the most powerful wrestling shows I ever watched of all time. You know, having Lily Garcia do the national anthem and Vince doing his speech. And all of that was so emotional and so powerful for that time period. I think that was like the really first live event, televised event that was going on after the attacks. And... I'm really curious to see what they do with it tomorrow. Um, you know, the fact that WWE will be at MSG, at Master Square Garden for the show, I think would be cool. And um, my thoughts for everybody that's lost family members on the day, whether it was in New York or in the Capitol or in Pennsylvania. Um, 
And even coming out of the war through this experience and the ground zero workers, uh, the men and women who put their bodies on the line trying to save other people's lives in the scrummage of the debris and everything. My thoughts are with you and your families. Um, uh, it's, it's something that I'll never forget. I don't think anybody will ever forget, especially for those who were alive during that time period. So I, I just can't. I can't believe it's been 20 years. That That's the thing that's so crazy about this. And it's really profound, man. 20 years of 9-11. And it was just a reminder of life, man. Um, nothing is guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And you got to make the best of what you have in front of you right now. And not take things for granted. I don't take professional wrestling for granted. I don't take my life for granted. I don't take you guys for granted. This stuff's not guaranteed, you know, and um, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this tomorrow show's going to be. It should be a lot of fun. I also want to send some thoughts to Triple H. I know he had a recent medical scare. Uh, scare. Uh, he's in a hospital right now, uh, recovering from a cardiac uh, situation. Um, I hope Triple H is going to recover well soon, so... I want to send some thoughts to one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Triple H. I don't, I don't use student of the game for no reason, right? <laughs> uh, but my thoughts are with Triple H. Uh, I, 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 you know, when you go on Twitter, the last thing you want to see is like a statement about a wrestler, any wrestler, uh, you know, going in the hospital or stuff like that. And that's just that stuff's always scary. So. My thoughts are with Triple H and the family and stuff like that. So I hope he has a speedy recovery. And those people that are going out of the way saying, oh, Vince McMahon took over uh, NXT is causing Triple H health problems. Y'all can go the fuck home and stay the fuck home and go fuck yourselves more importantly. Um, last thing in this segment I want to talk about is, of course, uh, NXT UK. I come out here every week and tell you guys that NXT UK is my personal favorite show that the WWE produces throughout the week. I think it's the best one-hour wrestling show throughout the entire wrestling landscape. Uh, it's not close. Uh, today we have Wolfgang against Sam Gradwell uh, in the Heritage Cup Championship uh, number one contender tournament. That's going to continue today. We also have uh, Symbiosis taking on uh, Saxon Huxley, Oliver Carter, and Ashton Smith in a six-man tag team match. Also, uh, if you guys haven't had a chance to see it, they're actually re-airing Walter against Ilya Dragunov from uh, NXT TakeOver 36. So, um, all in all, man, NXT UK used to be a fire show again. I'm really looking forward to it. NXT UK is, for me, my personal favorite wrestling show that's going on right now. So, on that note... That is what happened this week in WWE. Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Who's Podcast. Before we get to our main event segment this week, I want to let you guys know that earlier this week on Tuesday, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling announced their cards for the G1 Climax 31 uh, tournament, which will be airing throughout September and October on New Japan World. Make sure you subscribe to that network right now. New Japan Pro Wrestling is putting out some really good content. I recommend you guys subscribe it. You're going to have English commentary for every single event uh, for the G1 this year, which is going to be really cool. 
I'm going to be providing the in-ring breakdown and transcriptions for my website, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You got Chris Samsa, uh, uh, sport of pro wrestling, who does the analytical work and talks about the time links and stuff like that, the win-loss records and stuff like that for uh, the participants in the G1. And um, I would say just keep tuned to the, the feed of the Hoots Podcast because there may be a preview special coming up soon with your truly and Chris Sansa uh, preview the G1. I just want to say that. But I'm not going to run down the whole tour here. I just want to let you guys know who's in the G1 this year, and then we'll get to our main event segment. Okay, guys? That's what we're going to do. By the way, uh, one quick plug, non-New Japan related. Go watch Nick Aldis' promo from this week's NWE Power. Phenomenal. Just phenomenal. All right, here we go. Block A. We have Shingo Takagi, Kota Ibushi, Naito, Ishii, Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Tangaloa, The Great Okan, Toriano, and Yujiro Takahashi. Block B has Kashika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Evil, excuse me, Jeff Cobb, Hiroki Goto, Sonata, Tamatanga, Taichi, Yoshihashi, and Chase Owens. As always, for those who don't know what the G1 is, it's basically a Ron Rob, Robin tournament uh, that New Japan does every single year. Yeah, 20 performers separated in two blocks. Each performer will have a singles match with every single person in that block. The person in each block that contains the most amount of points in said blocks will fight each other in the finals. So basically, uh, whoever has the most points in in the A block and the B block, we'll fight each other at the finals in the, in the G1 Climax Tournament, which will be uh, October 21st at the Nipcon Budokan, or aka Suma Hall. Uh, yeah, that's going to be taking place on October 21st. And that show, whoever wins the G1 Climax, yes, you guys know how it is, they'll be taking on the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion at Wrestle Kingdom 16. Now, if Shingo wins, he'll have a chance to pick his opponent for the uh, Wrestle Kingdom down the road. So, okay. Yeah, so I just want to let you guys know who's in the G1 this year. Uh, like I said, make sure to bookmark uh, com. I made a reference sheet. Make sure to bookmark that page as well so you guys can be caught up with the scoreboards. I'm going to update it after each event. And um, I'm really excited for this because I I cover every single G1 uh, since I've been doing the transcripts and stuff. And this is my fifth consecutive one that I'm doing. And I'm really excited for it. A lot of the shows have either five or six matches on the card. But um, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of work. Uh, There's going to be a lot of shows that are going to be airing on a Thursday. So I have to say for the podcast reasons, uh, the show may be dropped later. Than it would on a usual Thursday. Just understand it's because of the G1 and it's because of that. But um, yeah, it's, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really, really excited. Uh, there's a lot of good matches on this tour. Uh, make sure to check it out, ProWrestlingTransitions.com, and make sure to bookmark the G1 Climax 31 reference sheet. It's very important. Make sure to do that. Uh, all right. I think it's time to give the people what they want, right? No time. Galvanting about all the stuff in professional wrestling. Let's give people what they want. 
Everybody wants to know what I thought about All Out. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Dynamite from Cincinnati or Cincinnati last night <laughs> on TNT. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. The most controversial, controversial, entertaining, thought-provoking segment in all of professional wrestling and podcasting in general is affectionately known as What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? We're going to start this off with the returning Brother Carter. Yes, he's back this week. Brother Carter starts us off in a three, two, one. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? What the hell is wrong with AEW? Oh boy. Okay. I have to admit that after All Out, I didn't watch All Out. I will I will admit that. But I will also admit that after All Out, I was really looking forward to Dynamite this week. AEW has a ton of momentum right now, and you can't argue that. You know, they come off their All Out show, Punk wrestles for the first time, you got the debuts of Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, and Brian Danielson. So AEW had a lot of momentum going into this week's show. And so I was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do on Dynamite this week. And it didn't take me very long to realize that AEW is still AEW and can't get out of their own way and will completely find a way to screw up all of this momentum. So let's get into it. Malachi Black versus Dustin Rhodes. Okay, I actually like this match. I thought it was a good match. I just don't understand the point of this feud with him and the Nightmare family. He'll get his match with Cody at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Cody will probably win. And then we just don't know where Malachi Black goes from here. And then his debut and momentum is being stifled, as with all the debuts in AEW, because AEW's roster is now becoming oversaturated, and there isn't enough time for te- on television for them every week. I'll be honest, though, the worst part of this match was Aubrey Edwards. She was horrible. The rules clearly don't matter in AEW. You can throw somebody through a table. You can throw a shoe in the ring, and the referee just sits there and does nothing about it. Also, how does she not see that the turnbuckle is off the, you know, the, the, the turnbuckle padding is off the turnbuckle? She didn't do anything about it. She saw that, that Dustin took that bump and didn't do anything. And didn't call it for disqualification to stop for a match or anything like that. It was horrible. And of course, there's blood after the match because once again, AEW can't help himself. This new Miro gimmick is just getting weird now. Talking about his feeding his balls to his wife and then something else to God. It's just a weird combination of things and it's and it's pretty weird. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I like it's 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 probably the best they've done with Miro. But it's still just a weird, weird gimmick, and it's just odd. Okay, I should mention, by the way, I'm going to pause here. I forgot to talk about all the things that I enjoyed about AEW this week, and then I'll get into the crap. Um, and one of the things that I really liked about it, uh, well, first of all, let me say that I'm shocked in a positive way that the Young Bucks are no longer the AEW World Champions, but I'm not surprised that 
Um, the Lucha Brothers were, they got a small video package, but were not on television this week, which I'm not surprised about because, again, AEW doesn't know how to run a television program. One of the things I did like about it was CM Punk this week, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I have to give him credit, though. He's back and he's living his best life. He, you know, he cut a great promo this week, as he does now that he's, when he's in his happy place, he cut a great promo. Really enjoyed that. The rest of the, se- there was something terrible about the segment, but I'll get to that in a moment. I want to see Ruby Rojo versus Britt Baker DMD. That's going to be great. Good progo, good promo from Britt Baker, uh, who is currently still, in my opinion, the best part about AEW, and a great match with Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter. I'm glad to see that Ruby Soho is getting another chance on a major wrestling promotion because I really felt like she got a raw deal in WWE and didn't get the chance that she deserved to shine. I'm I'm really happy for Ruby Soho, and uh, we'll see what's happening with that. Uh, Dan Lambert is a genius. They need to give him a raise. He's the smartest man working for AEW. Josh and I were talking about this, and I'm pretty sure he is a subscriber to the Hoots podcast because this guy gets it. And that's all I'm going to say about that right now. So those are the things that I enjoyed this week. Now let's get back to the crap. I mentioned earlier CM Punk comes out and cuts a great promo. But what the hell was Taz talking about? Why is he getting all pissed off out of all of a sudden? It, it all of a sudden out of nowhere he just has these issues with CM Punk and says Punk started, oh you said this and blah 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 blah. Who who heard that interview? Like only the diehard, super hard CM Punk fans heard that interview. I didn't know what the hell Taz was talking about. But now it looks like Punk is going to be in a fuse with Team Taz for some stupid reason. The only group out of that that I want to see him face is Ricky Starks. Uh, don't care about Powerhouse Hobbs and him or Hook. But yeah, uh, Ricky Starks and Punk, that could be good because I really like Ricky Starks. I hope that doesn't mean they're going to make Punk the FTW champion because I could, I could honestly see that too because AEW doesn't know how to book anything. But <clears throat> anyways... That looks like that's what we're getting. We'll have to see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, so I just I just didn't get the point of Taz interrupting CM Punk. It made absolutely no sense. Well, speaking of which, AEW has no idea how to start feuds. And we're going to get to that here in a little bit. I like Dante Martin, and I think he's a great athlete, but he's another generic AEW talent who just wants to do spots and not tell an actual story. Can he cut a promo? I don't know. Same thing with Powerhouse Hobbs. Good athlete, but he's generic. What does he bring to the table that's unique? Absolutely nothing. We get a riveting promo from Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. Oh, wait, it was stupid. So the new gimmick is going to be that they're going to try to cut Orange Cassidy's hair. Yay! Bravo! Riveting television and storytelling. Give me a break. Okay, I like MJF. Uh, he's obviously really good on the microphone, great at cutting promos. This segment just felt incredibly forced to me. You know, all of a sudden he comes out and just starts bashing Cincinnati, like, relentlessly for no reason. And, and I don't... Like, again, what he said was great. This just se- this segment just felt incredibly forced to me. And it was an odd way to start a program between the Varsity Blondes and MJF. Also, when is Wardlow going to do his own thing? He's treated like crap by MJF, but he still goes just goes back to being his lackey. Why doesn't AEW just offer him a contract and then he can just beat the crap out of MJF? I mean, AEW seems to have an unlimited pocketbook, so why wouldn't they give Wardlow more money? Random video package with Ricky Starch and Brian Cage for some reason. I don't get it. 
It was a terrible segue out of the Dark Order segment. Um, I will say, hang on real quick, let me, I will say this, hold on. Good action in the trios match with the Pinnacle and the Dark Order. I just don't know where the Dark Order goes from here. You know, I, I just don't know what they're, where they go. You know, it looks like they've got this random brawl. If they break them up, what happens? You know, I mean, John Silver is the star of that group. There's no question. Uh, or Anna Jay and Ty Conti. But I, I just, I don't, I don't get what they do with, with, with this. I don't know where it goes. And there was a terrible segue out of it. All of a sudden, they just cut to a video package. It was weird. Why does Tully Blanchard want to deal want to deal with Sting all of a sudden? Again, this company has no idea how to start a feud. Like all of a sudden, Tully Blanchard cuts promo. I want you, Sting. You blah 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 blah. And okay, so now we're going to get Sharby's, Sean Spears versus Darby Allen. Darby, Darby Allen will obviously beat Sean Spears. And then I, is Tully Blanchard and Sting going to fight at the Arsh, at the Arthur Ashe event? Like is that what people want to see? Hey, that would be terrible. Okay. And then we get to the part of the show that pissed me off the most. And of course, it has to do with the Elite. The Elite comes out to the shittiest theme music I've ever heard in my life, the Be the Elite song. I hate that song. It's so stupid. It just makes me cringe every time I hear it. And of course, these morons bring up the fact that Kenny Omega is number one in the PWI 500 this year. Of course, they brought that up. Another completely biased publication. They said Moxley was number one last year. Omega is number one this year. How anybody except Roman Reigns is the number one wrestler in the world this entire year blows my mind. It's just complete further proof that all of these major publications, promotions, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the PWI 500, they're all biased for AEW and against WWE. And that is blatantly obvious um, with this year's rankings. How Roman Reigns is not number one, I don't understand. I really think they're just trying to troll us. Maybe they listen to the Hoots podcast and just try to troll us. I don't know. But anyways, of course, those morons brought that up. Don Callis is terrible on the mic, and their theme song just freaking sucks. Now, as soon as Adam Cole debuted, and I heard that he was joining the Elite, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Adam Cole, instead of becoming a superstar in WWE and competing for world championships, is going to become a sidekick to the most overrated champion of all time. And this week's episode of Dynamite proved me right. Adam Cole comes out, starts kissing Kenny Omega's ass, has this really awkward and forced encounter with Tony Schiavone. I didn't like that at all. Uh, you know, they got the whole Britt Baker thing. Uh, that was forced, and then starts calling him a nerd and running him out of the ring. That I, I, that was forced to me. He cuts a, a mediocre heel promo, starts kissing Kenny Omega's ass, and now he's a sidekick to the champion. And that's what happened. And then Brian Danielson came out, and I really, I mean, cool to see him, but I didn't really care about him in the thing with Kenny Omega. I don't care. Like, is that a match I want to see? Not really, because again, it's just further proof that AEW doesn't care about their own talent. They just want to push ex-WWE guys to the moon. And this just proves it. So, really, really disappointing what's happened with Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. And then the main event was boring. I understand that Minoru Suzuki is a legend. I've never seen him perform. And this match was boring and uninteresting to me. And of course, there was blood too, because AEW can't help themselves. A lot of momentum following All Out. But it's all coming crashing down in a really, really fast hurry. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been 
What the hell is wrong with A-E-W? Thank you, Senor Brother Carter. I appreciate you sir services as always, my man. On that note, I want to thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast this week. I mean, I want to thank Brother Carter for uh, saying everything I needed to say on the podcast this week uh, for this segment. But let's get into it. What the hell is wrong with AW with Joshi now? Let's start with the pay-per-view. Um, there's been a lot of scud about this week about whether this is the greatest pay-per-view of all time. I see people say that, uh, this is better than WrestleMania 17, this is better than Money in the Bank 2011, this is better than, uh, got other pay-per-views you could mention right now, but like, look, I'm not gonna come in here and tell you that All Out was a bad show or anything like that. I I enjoyed the pay per view as well. I thought it was one of the more enjoyable AEW pay per views that I've covered so far. But to say that this, what we saw on Sunday, was the best pay per view of all time, uh, I just think it's a stretch. And then again, it's stuff the stuff with the tribalism and stuff and the stupid comments like. Oh, if you don't find one good thing about AEW, you're not a real professional wrestling fan. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, seriously. I don't have to come on here every week and tell you that everything that AEW does sucks. You know, I I, I don't do that. I come in here, I call a spade a spade, I tell you what I like, and I tell you what I don't like. Same thing with WWE. I have different tastes than you do. I... I don't see what a lot of you see in AEW. And a lot of the reasons, because I see through a lot of the stuff that AEW uh, markets and promotes, because it's two faced to what their initial plan was supposed to be. This is supposed to be serious sports based wrestling. Yeah, I see fucking stunted growth getting into a Pier 6 brawl with Brandon Cutlet during a brawl with Kenny Olivier and Brian Danielson. And I'm supposed to take that seriously. You know? Like it's stuff like that. It's stuff like, oh, here comes Brian Danson. He's a free agent, so he automatically gets a title shot against Kenny Olivier for the world title. Yet this company is supposed to be predicated on the win-loss records and people earning their title shots. I don't have to come in here and tell you there's nothing or not one good thing about AW. I there's aspects about AW I do like, but I will be the guy that tells you that AW is two-faced. Just like their audience. Is AEW's presentation of WWE with how Twitter would would have handled angles and performers and styles of wrestling. There's really nothing different or unique about AEW. There isn't. I watched All Out on Sunday. There's stuff on the show I liked. I liked the Eddie Kingston and Miro match. I liked the Moxley and Kojima match. Uh, I thought Britt Baker and Chris Statlander was fine. I thought that was okay. Um, I'll get to Punk in a couple minutes. Um, uh, the, the cage match with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. And sorry, I'm not going to take anything that Brian Alvarez said seriously. So no, that was not the greatest cage match of all time. But I, I love the match. The entrance, uh, with the rapper in the stage with the Lucha Brothers was awesome. I, I really dig that. 
I thought that was great. Uh, that was an awesome match. Uh, but greatest cage match of all time? No. Uh, what else? I I mean, that's pretty much it. I I did not like the main event. I I thought the main event was not good. Uh, a one eighty from the rampage match, and I love Christian, but uh, I think this match kind of exposed Kenny Omega because uh, you know prancing around and making funny faces and facial expressions and moving around with jazz hands doesn't make you interesting in my eyes and doing. 16 different V-triggers in one match doesn't make you interesting to me. Just doesn't. The fact that Kenny Olivier needed the good the Goof Brothers to come out to make the save for... Uh, to, not make the save, but need the Goof Brothers to distract Christian. This tells you everything you need to know. I know he's a heel and stuff like that, but the world's greatest wrestling artist needs fucking... I'm a piece of shit Carl Anderson and bald stooge gallows to come out and do his dirty work for them. And then we got Don Callis being Don Callis. And then here comes Michael knocking the knocking the fuck off. And here comes Cutlet with the cool spray. And it's like nothing about the elite is entertaining. I talked about this last week. It's it's force try to be funny, humorous, trolling idiotic nonsense. I I don't take the Bucks seriously. I sure as hell don't take Olivier seriously with his outfits and his shitty-ass promos every week. Uh, I, I definitely don't take the Goof Brothers seriously. So here you go. You got the Goose Squad. And all this led up to was, here comes Adam Cole pantomiming himself by being part of the Elite just to keep the cool buzz on him because... Nothing in AW does is wrong, right? So here comes Adam Cole. He's in AW. More power to him. Out comes Brian Danielson. And like I told you guys on this podcast a few months ago, the first thing he was going to do was go after your lead and align himself with the Jurassic Express. And lo and behold, here we go to Dynamite later on that week. And here comes... Brian Davidson confronting Kenny Olivier. Even though here comes Brian Davidson without having any wins or anything like that. And getting an automatic top shot for the world title. And here he is getting to a pure six brawl with the Jurassic Express. And here comes Christian Cage. And I I can telegraph it. That's a problem. As much as you people and those who do podcasts like to say you can telegraph what's going on with the WWE. I can easily as Telegraph stuff that goes on in AEW. And let's go back to All Out. Because Dynamite was complete macho. But let's talk about the so-called greatest wrestling pay-per-view of all time. Uh, I was really happy, uh, of course, you know, getting to see my favorite wrestler back having his first match in seven years. I put it on Twitter. He talked about it in the promo. It's just like riding a bike, man. He looked awesome. Um... It's gonna take. Uh, I really didn't have an issue with him wearing the long pants. I really don't really think about that stuff. But I thought it was a cool design with the Chicago color flag, like deep blue. I think the Bulls have a version of that jersey as well. So I, I really did the outfit that Puck had. I thought it was really cool. I, I thought him and Darby meshed well. A lot of people are saying that they uh, had the match layout of the Bret Hart and One Two Three Kid match, and I think that makes sense. And it. it it was a really good scientific wrestling one-on-one type of matchup. 
both guys elevated each other at the end of the day. And that's the goal that you want with any wrestling match. So I thought uh, Punk and uh, uh, Punk and Darby was my favorite part of the pay per view um, outside of the cage match. So I mean, I think I think my excitement kind of waned with all out with the fact that. Adam Cole was joining the elite. Like, look, he could have went to AW. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But him going to the elite is so easy and so predictable that it's like, okay, awesome. You're hanging out with Olivia in the bus again. But what about you? What's in it for you? Like, you, you just use the elite as a defensive mechanism now. That's all you have. There's nothing new about you. You're making the defendant's statement. Oh, I'm at a call. I'm here to hang out with my friends. Without taking a, a chance on yourself and trying to make a bigger name than what you're ever going to be. And then Brian Danielson. I come on here and I'm consistent with my thoughts. I think... I, I, I won't say that Brian Danielson is overrated or anything like that, but... I've been I haven't been crazy about his work, and you guys know how I felt about him feeling sorry for himself trying to politic his way into the triple threat match at uh, WrestleMania this past year. I wasn't for that, so you think I'm gonna mark out just because Karen Danielson is in AEW? Okay, uh, yeah, him and Kenny Olivia are gonna have a great wrestling match. Awesome. But there's no, there's nothing in it for me from an entertainment or storyline standpoint. Oh, here's Brian Danson. He's here. Here's Adam Cole. Oh, he's with his friends, the Goof Squad. Like you, like where do we go back to the square one about this supposed to be a serious sports-based wrestling promotion? And maybe I was just selling the bill of goods, so that's on me that I had to accept, right? But I enjoyed All Out. So as you guys hear this and you hearing what I'm saying during the segment, you think, man, Josh really hates AEW. He, uh, Josh uh, despises everything AEW does. Josh is just an AEW party pooper. No, I call what I, I call what I see. I don't have to be told that I'm not a professional wrestling fan just because I don't put everything that AEW does over. I just see that stupid way of thinking as being narrow-minded because these are the same people that'll tell you, oh, we don't have to have competition. We don't have to divide each other. It's okay to like WWE and AEW, but only you can criticize the WWE. That's ass-backwards thinking. We don't do here on the Hoots Podcast. We don't play agendas. That's not what we do. So, let's get to uh, the Mud Show that was Dynamite. Now, let's go back to the stuff that I did like on Dynamite this week. Uh, I enjoyed the match with Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes. I loved, and I'm going to give my flowers right here. Because uh, this was phenomenal. Um... FJF is the saving grace for me from an entertaining standpoint when it comes to when I watch AEW. What he did in Cincinnati yesterday was just pure TV gold. Uh, the fact that I even got more of a hometown crowd for Brian Pillman Jr. than I thought he was going to get 
was just a testament to how good MJF is. If you have not watched this segment, go out of your way to watch it. It, it was my favorite part of the show last night. I know Brian Carr said that he felt like it was forced, but I disagree. Uh, MJF is the ultimate heel, and you know you can still do proper pro wrestling. And when you watch MJF, that's what he is. He's proper pro wrestling. And the last thing that I did like from AEW this week was uh, Ruby Soho against Jamie Hayter. I thought that was a good match. Now, let's get to the nonsense. First off, of course, always good to see the uh, the guy, the man, the goat, seeing Punk on the screen. And I really don't have an issue with him getting to a program with Teen Taz and Ricky Starks and stuff like that. What I do have a problem, though, is if I was supposed to take Teen Tans seriously, why in the ever-blue fuck is Will Hobbs having a 15-minute match with Dante Martin? And I'm watching this match, and it's like, this would be better fitted on Dark or Elevation to YouTube shows. You mean to tell me that Will Hobbs struggled against Dante Martin? Yeah, I'm supposed to take it seriously against CM Punk? That's a problem. And then we go out through the rest of the show. I really don't care about the infighting with Dark Order. I mean, it's nice to see Anna Jay on my screen. I, I'll never complain about that. Anna Jay brings new meaning to Waterfall. I mean, God, that woman's fucking hot. Uh, but I really don't give a shit that Alan Angels is butthurt over the fact that the Dark Order... Uh, let Heyman Page let it take a leave of absence or whatever. Like, get over it, dude. Stop acting like a bitch. Um, I, <laughs> the infighting with the Dark Order and it's something they're doing on this week on Dark as well. I'm not for it. I think it's stupid. I think it's corny. I, I it's whack. I, I don't enjoy it. I, I don't get anything out of it. Um, <laughs> and another part of that. Match in that segment, all Tony Schiavone, the master of saying stuff but saying nothing at all. He says that man, Sean Spears is one of the most overlooked wrestlers in AEW. I mean, hate to break it to you, Mr. Schiavone, but it's been three years since Sean Spears left the WWE. Sean Spears is Sean Spears, he's not underrated. He's not held back. He's not un- he's not undervalued or un- understated. Sean Spears is Sean Spears. Solid wrestler. Okay promo. And that's it. There's nothing unique about him. So yeah. <laughs> One of the most overlooked wrestlers in AEW. Uh, I thought this is the promotion that, that placates to overlooked talent from WWE. Yeah. I'm the only one that points out that these people that came from WWE are in the same position that they were when they came from WWE. FTR. Okay. Puts on good matches, but still, at, put, they're still putting comedy segments and they're not really main event guys. Um... I just mentioned it right here with Sean Spears. The list goes on and on and on. Matt Hardy having a program on Orange Cassidy. Who gives a shit? 
the running lip man against pockets that 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 really got, tickles my fancy, you know. Um, not saying there's not exceptions, but yeah, I. I <laughs> and then we get to the other parts of the show. I, I already said I did not enjoy the promo with the elite and uh, Brian Danson. I thought that was stupid. And then the fact that this show. You know, curtailed by Mr. Book of the Year. Mr. I need to have more pats on my shoulder than God knows who. I think I've heard Tony Khan's name like 25 times on Dynamite last night. And it's like, okay, we got to acknowledge that he is the general manager and stuff like that. But like, holy shit, man. It was like Tony Khan this, Tony Khan that, Tony Khan this, Tony Khan that. And I'm like, we get it. You guys are getting the paycheck. You don't have to put them over so much. We get it already. I'm not going to come on here and go on a, a rant or a tirade about Olivier beating number one in the PWI top 500. That list doesn't mean anything to me. I just think it's goofy. Uh, <laughs> uh, him winning championships in a scripted environment to make him look better does not make him the best wrestler in the world. You want to look at overall performances of guys like Walter and Shingo and Roman Reigns. And you're going to tell me that Olivier is the number one wrestler in the world because he ran through Rich Swan And had a shitty lights out match with John Moxley. Really? Okay. I mean, I'm not going to go on a soapbox about this, but I just thought that was really funny, man. And then we had John Moxley and Suzuki. Like I mentioned before I got to this, it was like, oh, we had this awesome match. It's going to be a homecoming match with John Moxley against Suzuki. Oh, I'm expecting an awesome match. Match went nine minutes. Really? Oh, man. Whatever. Diamond was a shoulder shrug for me. And that's just my opinion. I'm not going to tell you that the way I look at it is right or wrong or how you feel is right or wrong. Uh, I just think it's funny for the people that don't get the gist of this segment. It's to expose the people who act like this stuff is Teflon. Me and Brett Carr don't come on here every week to tell you guys that AEW is the worst wrestling promotion in the world or stuff like that. I, I don't do that. That's not my goal here. I want to enjoy AEW. But I don't have to be told to like AEW in order to be validated as a wrestling fan. There's I like AEW. Oh, there's a revelation right there. You guys didn't hear that. I like AEW. I wanted to succeed. But their fans is the genesis of this segment. I like AEW. I hate their fans. There's a difference. So, as you listen to this segment, and you hear things that you won't hear on other podcasts or wrestling news sites because they're looking for a handshake deal and job with AW, I'm calling the spade a spade. And that's why I listen to the Hoops podcast. And that's what the hell is wrong with AW. Alright, folks. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me this week. For another stellar edition of the Hoots Podcast, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram 
at joshlopez94 at joshlopezmusic. And make sure to bookmark prostatetranscriptions.com. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I'm excited to relax this weekend, enjoy some football. Uh, no articles this weekend. Thank God I can relax on Saturday and Sunday. And then um, we'll get back to it uh, next week with the start of the G1, which is going to be a lot of fun. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, again, always remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself. I'm Joshy. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I'm going to send out to Bernard Carter right now for this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. This has been episode 274 of the Hoots Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the most legendary segment in all of podcasting. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. We're going to jump right into it this week, and it's going to be a shorter edition of The Thoughts of Derrico this week. Basically just going to recap SmackDown, recap Raw, maybe talk a little bit about the new NXT that's coming up, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Okay, let's start with SmackDown this week. Uh, I enjoyed SmackDown this week. Thought there's some good stuff here. Uh, we start with the Street Profits versus the Usos. <laughs> I like the line about um, the Usos in the ring without their permission slips. I thought, I thought that was pretty funny, actually. Um, good match. These, you know, both of these teams know what they're doing. Uh, obviously, a lot of talent there. Uh, we get a DQ to end the match, but obviously that means that we're going to be uh, continuing this feud, which I think is fine. Um, Street Profits are a great team. The Usos are a great team. So I, I think that this is a great feud, uh, especially as Roman Reigns is going to be doing stuff with Brock Lesnar uh, coming up. And hopefully Naomi will, be, Naomi will be doing something with the Bloodline soon too, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I think this is a good feud and uh, good stuff here. <laughs> I love how Paul Heyman's ringtone is Brock Lesnar's theme music. I think that's hilarious. Um, I think that's great. And, and the interaction between Kayla Braxton and Paul Heyman is just genius. You know, they've had quite a history together and I just love their interaction together and I think that's great. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> he tries to go run to, to talk to a janitor and ends up being Big E, which <laughs> oh Big E. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I just love what Big E is, is is doing. I think he's great. I think he's going to be a world champion eventually. Uh, but I thought that I thought all that was pretty funny. Uh, Becky Lynch comes out. She's. It doesn't matter what Becky Lynch does. She's going to be the the most over. She's going to be the most popular woman in the in all of WWE. And it doesn't matter what she does. So so cool that she's back. Uh, I like. I again. I like how we're going to get a match between her and. Uh, Bianca Belair coming up at Extreme Rules. I think that's uh, I think that's really good stuff. Uh, you know, and again, I thought that they built this feud properly. You know, a lot of people complained about how Bianca Belair lost her title. I think it's completely fine. Um, I love how they're getting a little bit of interaction with Roman Reigns saying, oh, Becky doesn't care what Reigns does. You know, Roman Reigns is defending tonight, so Becky can do the same kind of thing. And um, I think, And I think that's kind of funny. I like that. Well, not really funny, but I think it's, 
you know, just kind of a little like, oh, thing with the audience. But anyways, they've built this feud correctly, and uh, we'll get a match between them and Extreme Rules. And again, the build has been great to that. I like it. <laughs> uh, apparently, for some reason, Dolph Ziggler and Tony Storm, he tried to, tried to hook up with Tony Storm, I guess, but then goes out and loses to Rick Boogs in uh, kind of a squash match, which I don't really understand. I just don't know. Ziggler is one of those guys that's just kind of floating around, and I know he's always been that way, but... I don't, you know, I, I just hope that we get to see something. I hope he gets another opportunity to singles title uh, at some point. It looks like they're still going to be in a feud with Nakamura. I, I don't know. But, um, so, I, I just don't know what's happening with Ziggler and Rude. Um, we'll just have to see with that. Uh, again, looks like uh, we've got the match set up back, uh, backstage. Becky Lynch sets up the match with Sonya Deville, Deville and Adam Pearce. Uh, for Extreme Rules, and then they'll do the contract signing next week, and then they'll get physical, and that will be great. So Seth Rollins and Cesaro, again, another great match between these two awesome competitors. I think Cesaro was injured, and they did something to write him off of TV. So, uh, you know, they, they they beat down Cesaro, so I think that's what happened. Uh, it looks like we're getting Edge versus Rollins Part 2 at Extreme Rules, uh, which is fine. I have no problems with that. They're... Uh, their, their chemistry is incredible, so that's great. Then we get the backstage promo, Paul Heyman saying that Brock Lesnar is going to be on SmackDown next week. I've been wanting this feud for a long time, and we're finally going to get it, and I can't wait. Um, I've Ever since Roman Reigns joined uh, Paul Heyman, we knew this was happening, and they're actually going to book this where Brock Lesnar is the babyface. This is incredible storytelling. I can't wait to see how they're going to do this. I can't wait to see if Brock Lesnar is going to talk without a mouthpiece, if he's just going to show up, hit the F5. To me, I think Lesnar should just show up, hit the F5 a couple times on Roman Reigns, leave him lying in the middle of the ring, and then Paul Heyman just doesn't know what to do. So I think that that's great. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> Happy Corbin is great. <laughs> it looks like he's going to be now doing a program. I thought he was going to be doing a program with Big E, but it looks like he now he's going to be doing a program with um, Kevin Owens and Logan Paul. All of them have great chemistry together. Uh, the heat that Logan Paul gets is incredible. I I can't I can't I can't really believe it, uh, but it's incredible heat that he's getting, and they've got to run with it. So I love it. Uh, continue to see the split between Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio as Zayn gets a squash match over squash win over Dominic Mysterio. Uh, again, I think Naomi and Sonya Deville are leading up to something. Naomi wants to do something with Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville seems busy, so I don't know if they're going to have a match. I still think Naomi should join the Bloodline. I think that that's going to be the best way to use their her talent, um, and she can start to rough uh, to just run through uh, once Becky Lynch and. Uh, Bianca Belair finished with their program. Naomi can start getting involved with the SmackDown Women's Championship, and I think that'd be great. And then Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor. I wish that this match would have had more time. They only got about 10, 10 and a half minutes. I wish they would have gotten more time on this because it was just great because both these talents are just incredible. So I think that uh, I just I'm just... I just wish they would have gotten more time. That's about all. And that's my thoughts on SmackDown this week. Really quick, let's talk about Raw. I love when they do these tag team turmoil matches. Um, you know, I mean, the first hour was just wrestling, you know, and, and it was great. New Day had an incredible showing 
uh, in the first hour. So I thought that that was really great. I love when they do stuff like that and just wrestle for an hour. I thought that was really, really great. Uh, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre continue to just show why they're two of the best in the world. I love it. Um, you know, and then of course Damian Priest. Uh, you know, he has his, his backstage uh, interview, and he's still going to be United States champion. So I think that all that stuff is is great. <laughs> Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley, super brutality. I thought that comment was kind of funny. I just don't know what they're going to be doing with um, Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. I just don't, again, with Raw, I, I just don't know what the, where the direction that the women's division is going. It just seems like it's kind of, it looks like Charlotte's going to be doing something with Alexa Bliss, but we've got all these other contenders that are kind of just floating around out there. So I, I just don't know what the direction of the Raw women's division is. So I don't know. Uh, let's see, Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash uh, beat Tamina and Natalia. Uh, I don't know what's happening with Shotzi and Knox. Uh, we'll just have to see what, I guess their title shot is on hold for a bit. I don't know. We'll just have to see. Uh, let's see, Karrion Cross continues to to get these dominant wins, but I just don't know where where they're going with him. You know, if, if they're waiting, finding a way to get him involved into, into a better feud, if they're going to waiting for Scarlet to come up, I, I don't know. Um, so we'll just have to see what's happening with that. Uh, let's see. Charlotte defeats Nia Jax. Looks like there's a distraction and um, from Shayna Baszler. But uh, Charlotte gets the win. And again, it looks like uh, we're going to be getting Char- uh, Charlotte and Alexa Bliss coming up. So again, I, I love this idea. I love Alexa Bliss. I think she's terrific. And I can't wait to see what they're doing um, with that. Um, We have the 24-7 nonsense, which I think is hilarious. Uh, And then we continue with the uh, tag team turmoil match, which is a great way to close the show. Again, I love this stuff. And it looks like we're going to be getting Bobby Lashley and MVP competing for the tag titles, but Lashley and Randy Orton also competing for the world title. So this is all very, very, very interesting. I, I... this is just crazy to me um, that all this is going down. But again, we basically got two hours of wrestling uh, in a tag team term. I'm sorry, one hour, like an hour of tag team rest, hour and a half of tag team wrestling uh, throughout the show, which I think is, is is very, very, very cool. A lot of good stuff there. So uh, I enjoyed SmackDown this week. I enjoyed the, the Raw this week and some good stuff going on. Short and sweet edition of the Thoughts of Derrico this week. Uh, my final thought this week is actually some pl- plugs. So, you can find me on Twitter at Derek Stoughton. You can follow me on Instagram at Derrico06. Check out my work at www.derekstoughton.com. And I'll see you all next week. Take care. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.